And here in this space, we, we are also going to dig into God's Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, we're going to spend all our time today in two verses of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, which, which, you know, it can make sense because Romans uh, as, as a letter uh, is rich and dense and has so much to offer us. So we're able to, to really dwell there together and spend some intense focus on just two verses this morning. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be trans, uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and its hearing, so we together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather together your people around your word. We ask now in this space and time that you would make yourself known to us in new and extraordinary ways. We don't come content or withholding anything, but rather we surrender this time and our whole selves to you. Lord, do with this time, do with us what you want. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear our minds, we would come to know and understand your word and your will, open our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, Lauren and I uh, ended my sabbatical journey uh, with a, a, a trip, just the two of us, to Boston. And while we were in Boston, uh, I was struck by uh, how amazing it was to, to, to walk into a place and have the placard say, founded in 1637. And I'm just like... Wow, that's a long time ago. And, and, and we took a, a bus tour with the little elevated thing, and they told us uh, the history, and they kind of really walked us through the, the context of the city. I loved it. I highly endorse a trip to Boston. But one of the things I noticed while we were there is, is that it seemed one of the most popular things to do in Boston. I mean, over and above, like Red Sox, uh, Fenway Park, uh, was actually the ghost tours. Like they, like they would uh, like get painted and dressed up and, and the, so your driver's all dressed up and you have a, a microphone guy that's all dressed up and at every one of the stops there are people that are all dressed up and, and it, it's like a big ordeal, like the ghost tours in Boston. It's a big deal and, and Lauren and I have been to Savannah, Georgia before and they have ghost tours. We've been to New Orleans before and they have ghost tours and so I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to all this and I'm wondering, is this like a necessity, like Great tourist city equals ghost tours. Or ghost tours equals great tourist city. Maybe that's why Houston doesn't have any ghost tours, right? Or maybe it's because Houston doesn't have any ghosts. But then I went to Madam Google, who knows all, and I found out 
that Houston does have ghost tours. Did y'all know this? I didn't know this. Houston has ghost tours. And, and like, like on their website, it actually like has like the downtown spaghetti warehouse uh, as like uh, the image of the ghost tours. I'm like, man, I grew up going to spaghetti warehouse. I ain't seen no ghosts there. What are you talking about? It's an old building. But like, that's the deal. And this, this, it's actually called Nightly Spirits. Nightly Spirits, uh, Houston's ghost tour company. But it's not just Houston's. They have 15 different ghost tour locations across the United States of America. It's this big business. Big business. In the go- in, if you were thinking like during COVID, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to exit one uh, industry and I'm going to enter another. Enter the ghost business industry. Like it's booming, okay? So, but in all seriousness, there has to be someone paying for it. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Like, even in Houston. Houston. Houston? People are paying for ghost tours. Why? Why do people go to Salem? What is it about uh, this, this experience that people are looking for? I would contend to you that people are searching for spirituality. They're they're desiring transcendence. And they're looking for the people and the places that are actually advertising it, that are actually leaning in there. And then there's the church. There's the church who actually has the power of the Spirit, but we operate as though we are an information-giving and receiving entity, devoid of anything spiritual. People around us, we are yearning for the spiritual, and yet we ignore that power that's readily available for us. Did you know that in in, in 2017, the Pew Research uh, polling agency uh, did a survey, and, and every time Pew comes out, like everybody uh, that, that's like a social scientist, particularly those in the church world, are always wondering what kind of bad news are we getting now? That's what Pew has become for the, the, the Christian leaders. Well, in 2017, here's what it said it said that uh, 27% of Americans are spiritual but not religious. So many of you could have completed that sentence either because you knew of the study or because you live in America. One in four, more than one in four, that was done in 2017, and at the rate that that thing's climbing, it's probably now bending towards one out of three. But let's just go with one out of four. One out of four people in America is spiritual but not religious. I really want you to kind of dig deep on that. You're going to go to H-E-B this afternoon. You're going to get your week's groceries. For those of you that still actually go to the store, anyone, anyone? Okay, some of you, I see you there, so I know that you're there. Those of you who still go to H-E-B, you're going to go to H-E-B, and you're going to walk down the aisle, and you're going to count one, you're going to count two, you're going to count three, and number four, number four, you're going to, in your mind, think spiritual but not religious. And then you're going to go one, two, three, the fourth, spiritual but not religious. Isn't that interesting? That means that they're they're yearning 
for something other, for the metaphysical, for the transcendent, for the spiritual. But where are they finding it? Furthermore, just uh, more from Pew, uh, when, you, when you study like the deep dive on prayer, it's fascinating. More than 55% of people say that they say that they pray daily. Daily. But less than 50% of people are religiously affiliated. Do you get that? There are more people praying daily than there are people religiously affiliated. And if you dig into the religious affiliated numbers, only like 65% of them profess to praying daily. So that gap isn't just 5%, it's closer to 15 or 20%. Do you see how interesting this is that people are willing to pray, but they're not willing to pursue a life of faith? Or maybe a life of faith that's being offered to them is devoid of the power of the Spirit of God. And that is on us, church. We act as though this is an either-or sort of reality. But what Paul has for us today, I contend, is a both-and. So let's dig in. We're going to dig in beginning in verse 1. And and we hear Paul lays out that this is his appeal to you. Now, we have to remember that we're reading the letter uh, that it's written to the Romans. Paul didn't plant this church. Paul hadn't even been there yet. But Paul's heart is for the church in Rome. We see from his other letters that this is like his, his yearning desires to get to Rome because he's conscientious of the fact that that. that Everything goes through Rome. Commerce goes through Rome. Uh, uh, Leadership goes through Rome. Power goes through Rome. And and so if you were actually able to get uh, the message of Christ in Rome, then it would go out to all the world. That's Paul's ideas, philosophy, and his heart. And so he's writing Romans. And when he writes Romans, it's a theological treatise. Like if you want theology 101, read Romans. Seriously. Seriously. Now, it might take you a while because Romans is, is, is beautiful and, and, and dense and glorious. But whenever we get to verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, I appeal to you, therefore. And the way I read that, therefore, is that the therefore is not actually relating just to what took place in chapter 11. It's not just relating to what took place in chapter 10. I believe that Paul has been building up to this moment so that now he arrives at chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, because of all that I have said thus far, from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way until now, I've built up an argument that leads to a response. I appeal to you. I I am inviting you to respond, people of God, in this way, brothers and sisters. And then we hear uh, a, a, a set of phrases that might be familiar to our ears. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And there's a couple of things about that that you might have been taught over the course of time that are good and true and righteous. Uh, But there's another element of it that I'm going to invite us to consider uh, that, that, 
that leads us forth into a, a whole new direction as the people of God. First, the two things that are there that, that you might have heard before. The first is that offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is uh, world-shifting. Living sacrifices? I mean, even those of us that have tried to read the Bible straight through starting as a New Year's resolution in January got into uh, Leviticus and started reading about sacrifices. And and we have enough uh, uh, familiarity with that to know that, that uh, that sacrifices are not living. They're dead. It's like a slaughter. You bring the animal, and there's a ritual way in which the animal dies to either atone for or, or as an, uh, a grain offering or a fruit offering uh, so that you're pouring out yourself and something is being changed in you through that dead sacrifice. So Paul is contending by saying that we are living sacrifices, that, that we're no longer uh, having to pursue death of something else for us, but now Jesus has taken on that death on our behalf. When Jesus took on the cross, there's no longer a need for, for sacrifices to die, but for now our lives to be a living sacrifice, totally changing the paradigm. That's number one. Number two that you might have heard before is that this is an act of surrender that is worship. That when we offer the sacrifice of our bodies, it is worship. And that changes our perspective of worship. So often we think that worship is is contained in a location or a time or is defined by a style. And we have worship wars. We we war over whether or not we like traditional or contemporary. We decide whether or not we want clapping or if we want everybody to be stiff and rigid. If someone raises their hands, am, am I still comfortable in that environment? We got all kinds of things to say about worship worship. But then when we come to this text, we're reminded of the fact that our lives are worship, that that, that our whole self is being surrendered to Christ. And in that way, worship permeates every aspect of our day to day. We are imitators of Christ wherever we go. True, right, and, and. There's a whole nother element here for us to to really lean into. The living sacrifice is our bodies. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is a spiritual act of worship. You see, there there are these two planes. There's the the material and the spiritual. There's the the physical and the metaphysical. There's There's the ordinary and the transcendent. And these two planes, we act and operate as though they never intersect. And here what Paul is inviting us to consider is that when we offer our physical bodies... 
We are spiritually worshiping that these two planes don't just pass by one another, but they actually overlap and are intimately connected one with another. Do you see that? Physical, metaphysical, one, ordinary, transcendent, one. What is it for us to operate in that framework that whenever we're moving and having our being in the world, we're not uh, merely entering into the physical realm, but we're also operating in the spiritual realm. Everything is spiritual. Everything. Now, some of you can relate to it, but I'm going to have to just, just step us two or three steps back in order to get there. Some of you can, can remember or recall a, a song and, and hearing a song uh, in, in an intimate and fresh way and the, that power of the song washing over you and you understanding that you're hearing with your ears but you're experiencing something spiritual that runs deep within you. Or maybe that has happened with you when you see something when you see a glorious work of art for the first time and it stuns you, it stops you in your tracks. And as you look upon it, you realize this is a physical expression, but the experience I'm having is spiritual as well. Or maybe you've had that in a relationship with your wife or with your husband, with your kids, with your parents, with the best friend, where there is a moment where you are so fully present one with another, physically present one with another, but God is working a new and different thing there, and there is spiritual power felt. Some have described this as chill bumps running up your arm or, or the, the hairs on the back of your head standing at attention or some have described it as a heart that's been strangely warmed or you might describe it as, as, as this tingling within that is permeating without. Like this movement of the spirit that, that you might have experienced is this grand intersection between the physical and the spiritual while I was on sabbatical, uh, I had all of my hikes planned each and every day. Uh, when I was in the wilderness, particularly, and the last of my four stops of wilderness was in the Grand Tetons, and I had planned my last hike quite intentionally. It, it was uh, the Phelps Light Lake hike, which starts in the Death Canyon Valley. Uh, I thought that was a good place to end, Death Canyon uh, and then it goes up to, uh, to the Phelps Lake Overlook, and then I was going to go out to the Patrol Outlook, which I imagine that the Death Canyon Patrol Outlook is where they used to go to find people that were about to die. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, and why I wanted to do this, 
So, um, so then, I, then you come down from Patrol uh, Outlook, and, and then you go down to Phelps Lake, and there's this huge boulder that's about 20 feet up that sits on the lake, and, and some people that are crazy jump off of said boulder into the water, and, uh, and it's like a glacier-fed lake, right? So it's like super cold. And I thought, what would be better? Like, that's the way you end. You just go. You go on this grand hike. You go through the, the, the Death Valley. You got me? And then you you come out and you leap off into the refreshing waters. Like there's all like this spiritual like connection. I'm all ready for it. And so we go on this hike. We park the, the forerunner and we go up about two miles in and we get to the Phelps Lake Overlook. And the view of the overlook stopped me dead in my tracks. And as I stood there in Grand Tetons National Park, overlooking Phelps Lake, there was a denseness to that moment where I had all of the above, (laughs) the chill bumps, the hair, the heart strangely warm, the tingle, I was fully present with the power of the Holy Spirit in that space, silent, stunned, still, standing there. Even now as I look upon it, I'm just like, that was a precious place for me. Because it was a moment where that space between the physical and spiritual was not even thin. It was non-existent. So I sat there upon a rock and I ate my lunch. And I prayed and I read and I journaled and I gazed. And I received a spiritual anointing. And for hours, I sat there. And when I got up, I turned around and went back to the car. Because everything else I planned was nothing. I received exactly what God had for me. This is what Paul is inviting us to observe, to believe in, to trust. That the physical and the spiritual don't rest on different planes, but they're one. And and, and we have this gift available to us. It says, by the mercy of God, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. By the mercy of God, not as, not as something that you achieve or it's by your strength or by your will or by your obedience or by your holiness, all of a sudden this happens. No, no, it's all by the mercy of God. God has invited us into that space. And he invites us to offer 
our bodies as a living sacrifice. In verse 2, he continues, and it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I love how, how clear this is. Uh, we have a choice here because the word but uh, directs us to this alternative reality. Conformed to this world or transformed by the renewing of your minds. This, this isn't a both and. This is an either or. But, but it continues on and invites us uh, to consider exactly what the purpose of this transformed mind would be. It says, so that you may discern what is the will of God. So that you could discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's will is good, acceptable, perfect. And, and you could discern his will with a transformed mind but not with a mind that's conformed to this world. Do you, do you now see the choice that's being laid before us, the people of God? Do you want to exist by the power of your own will? Always wondering, is this the best? Is this what God has for me, yet conformed to the world? Or... Will you be transformed? Will your mind be transformed such that all that you do operates within the will of God? You see, this is the grand veil that covers our faces. These are the scales that, that lay on our eyes. This is the choice we have because whenever we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, the veil is, is taken off, the scales fall, and we then enter into the world in a new way of being. We see every encounter and everything not as only material or physical, but also as spiritual. And we can see the kingdom of God here present in our midst. This would require like a, like a hard reset for us. Because we've been conditioned otherwise. We've been conditioned that these two planes are separate. You know, whenever, if you've ever had DirecTV, sometimes you'll get the oops thing on the screen, like the blue screen that says oops. I think it's the worst thing ever. Uh, oops. I don't like oops, right? And so uh, whenever you get the blue screen, you get the oops, you know what to do. I know what to do. You go over to the little box, you little push the button that flops open and the card's inside, and you're not looking for the card, you're looking for the red button, right? And the red button right beneath it, it says reset. Now, you can't actually read it because it's like etched in. You would think that they would like put it in a lettering that would be white so you could actually read it. No, but you push the red button, boom, reset. And then the whole thing starts rebooting up. And next thing you know, it comes up. But what happens like nine times out of ten? The oops screen comes back up, right? And, and, then, and then the first time that ever happens to you, you call them. And you're like, I'm paying you all this money. Where's my DirecTV? I'm watching the game. And then they say, hold on, hold on. Whenever the, whenever the red button reset doesn't work, here's what you need to do. You need to unplug it from the wall. Unplug it. Count to 30 and then plug it back in. And I know you, you, you start like counting one, one to 10 really fast and then it hits you like in your mind and you realize, oh no, 
I'm not counting to 30 twice. If I have to do this again, I'm going to be frustrated. So then you start slowing down, and that 30 becomes like 60 because you ain't doing it twice. And then you plug it back in. And when you plug it back in, it comes up on the screen. And now nine times out of 10, it actually works, right? What kind of hard reset do we need? Hard reset so that we now can enter into the world looking for, seeing the transformed kingdom of God so that the spirit and the physical are together. I think that it requires a stage of surrender for each of us by the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. You're invited in. I'm invited in together would we be willing to surrender our conformed state of being to the world and lay that down with all of its familiarity, with all of its comfort, with every element that tantalizes us to just sit and be with good enough? Lay it down as a hard reset so that we could receive what God has for us. The power, the working of the Holy Spirit that is able to move and have its being in us do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine by leading us into the world different, changed. This is the good news that the world is seeking after. And the answer is contained right here in the word of God. Father, Son, and Spirit are ours if we would but surrender. May we take that step this day. Because God has a grand gift for us. A new worldview. A new existence. It's transcendent. And it's yours by his mercy. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come before you seeking out this gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, so often we, we pull back just as you're moving forward. So often we, 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 we restrict ourselves and we're not open to receiving your spirit. So today, we won't make that mistake again. Today, We'll surrender our very lives, our whole selves to you. And we ask, oh God, that you would move by the power of your spirit in us and through us. Open our eyes to see this world in a new way. Open our hearts to walk in this world in a different way. So that your kingdom will be known. We pray this in Jesus' name.